The Denver Broncos have announced their starting quarterback for the 2021 NFL season. What does this mean for the future of Drew Locke with the franchise? Plus, we take a look at our projected 53-man depth chart for opening day. We break it down on today's brand new episode, Locked on Broncos. You are locked on Broncos, your daily Denver Broncos podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Broncos country? Welcome back into a brand new episode of the show. Lockdown Broncos is your daily Denver Broncos podcast here on the Lockdown NFL Network, your team every day from the South Stands to the end zone. I'm your host, as always, Cody Rourke, joined alongside by our co-host, Sarah Bettinger. Both of us, we cover the Denver Broncos for the Lockdown NFL Network and Nine News. You can follow us on our Twitter handles. Make sure you follow the Lockdown Broncos podcast on your favorite podcasting platform. We're available free and everywhere, not to mention here on YouTube. Hit that subscribe button. Hit that notification button so you get notified anytime we have a brand new episode of the show. We have a lot to break down on today's episode of Lockdown Broncos. Ladies and gentlemen, the quarterback competition is over, and today's episode of the show is brought to you by our good friends over there, rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. But Sarah, my friend, look, the debate, the discussion, going all the way back to the midpoint of the offseason, right before the NFL draft, who's going to be the quarterback for the Denver Broncos? It is Teddy Bridgewater, as Vic Fangio mm. and the team announced today. It is, it is, and it's crazy. You know, after after the you know way that he was kind of coy about it on Tuesday, I was kind of wondering, man, is he going to drag this out? He's talking about how he got 19 days till the start of the regular season. Then all of a sudden, you see this tweet pop up from the Broncos' official account. That's you know smoke coming from the the yeah. facility out at Dove Valley, and I'm like, what is what does that mean? And then of course, it's followed up almost immediately with the announcement of Bridgewater. So I think, you know, for Teddy Bridgewater, from his perspective, man, this is just this is really, really exciting uh, for him to be able to have come back first and foremost from that crazy leg injury that he suffered in Minnesota to even be able to come back from that at all is impressive. But now to be a starter on a number of different teams after the fact, really, really good stuff from him. And it shows just the kind of guy that he is, the kind of worker that he is and the kind of mental fortitude that he has. I think those are some very valid points, Sarah. And before I touch on, I just want to say to it and look, Broncos country, both Sarah and I, we, we agree with you. Look, you have every right. I think if you wanted Drew Locke to be the guy, or if you wanted Teddy, you have every right to feel how you feel. That's how competitions go. Somebody is going to be disappointed that their guy didn't get chosen. And look, I understand that. Look, but we have to look at the optics of the situation now. Teddy is the guy. What does this mean for Drew Locke long-term? But before we get to that conversation, Sarah, I really wanted to throw it to what you mentioned too about Teddy. And I think that when we go back into this offseason, there are various points that I look at that have happened so far in training camp. It, it goes back to the huddle is bouncing when Teddy Bridgewater's in there. Guys are more locked in and they're listening. I mean, that, I think that just goes with his veteran nature of being a guy who's been in the NFL for quite some time. You look at his time with the New Orleans Saints, he was the backup to Drew Brees. It's not like he was ever really going to start, but Drew Brees had that injury, and the Saints didn't lose a beat. They had a strong running attack, and they had a strong defense. The Broncos could potentially have a strong running attack, and we know on paper they have a good defense, so it could help alleviate that. And Teddy made some good throws as quarterback for the Saints there in their offense where Sean Payton had run. So there's things you can look at. And I think people are going to go to Carolina and say, well, he didn't do too much in Carolina. It was a dink and dunk offense. That's really what it was. It was not an offense that was going to test every blade of grass downfield. I wonder if Teddy can get to that point this season. I feel like the Broncos coaching staff, they're going to have to challenge him to do so with the talent that you have with Cortland Sutton and K.J. Hamler. So, Sarah, I'll let you touch on that. But I also wanted to ask you, 
What does this mean for the long-term impact or even the short-term here for Drew Locke in 2021? Is his future in Denver now unclear? It definitely is to me, Cody. And I posted this on my Twitter account, just just kind of throwing it out there. you know. And I think we've even touched on it before as well, but I don't want to overreact. And I don't necessarily know that it is overreacting, but I, I can't help but think this is the end of Drew Locke in Denver. You know, anytime you start with a guy who you drafted, you believed could potentially be your future franchise QB, then you move off that guy, it typically doesn't result in, oh, we're going to continue to be patient with him and we'll get him back into the mix maybe next year or something like that. I just don't recall any situations like that in, you know, in my time covering the league. And I'm sure there are a few that people could point to, but I just don't recall really anything like that, especially for a second round pick. Maybe if you're talking about a top five, top 10 draft pick, you might be looking at a different situation there. But for Drew Locke, I can't help but think this spells the end for him in Denver. I think there's a chance he ends up, you know, sticking around as the backup for this year. I would say at this point, people probably would say that's likely. For me, if 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 it's me, now I'm on record as obviously saying that I would have picked Drew as QB1 because of the fact he's under contract for the next two years. You know, he's got a, a bit higher upside in terms of his physical gifts and abilities. But like we talked about before, Cody, we talked about we don't know what's going on in the film room exactly. We don't see how the locker room is responding. You alluded to the fact that the huddle is kind of bouncing more with Teddy Bridgewater, how the teammates respond. And we talked about this after Vic Fangio declined on on, on Tuesday to name the starter. We talked about the fact that every single stone has to be turned over. You got to consult the players. You've got to consult the scouting department. And I'm sure Vic Fangio did that to a degree. So I have to think that there's some, you know, there's some kind of investment that the players and the teammates of Teddy Bridgewater had in this decision. And I think for Drew Locke, you look at his long-term projection at this point, he's still just 24 years old. He's still a second, a former second round pick, a recent second round pick. I mean, we've seen Josh Rosen and granted Josh Rosen was a, a top a first round pick in 2018, but we've seen Josh Rosen now bouncing around from team to team. By no means do I think is this the end of the line for Drew Locke? I think that he has a chance to catch on. I don't think it's going to be in Denver. I think that this is a clear signal from the current coaching staff. And if the, if the front office signed off on this, this is a clear sign that the front office has a, a very, very staunch preference for a veteran quarterback, in my opinion. Not just Teddy Bridgewater this year, but maybe you look towards 2022 and the veterans that could be available next year. I, I The Broncos passed on the 2021 NFL draft completely. They had a shot at Justin Fields. They had a shot at Mac Jones. They could have done what the 49ers did and trade up for Trey Lance, who was apparently their QB1. They didn't do any of that after seeing all those guys in person. So what that says to me, George Payton's preference, is a veteran QB. And I'm not saying the 2022 class is completely written off as far as draft prospects go, but it's definitely right now, there's no clear top three like there was last year at this time with Lawrence, Trey Lance, Justin Fields. And then you had guys who kind of entered the mix, Zach Wilson, Mac Jones. So I don't see that in the 2022 class at this point. What I do see is a consistent stream of veteran players that are getting kind of cycled and shuffled through. So to me, this says Drew Locke, his time in Denver is all but over at this point. I think you could even see the potential of a guy like Nick Foles acquired if Chicago gets rid of him. 
in the coming weeks or the coming week, I guess it's less than a week. So maybe you bring in Nick Foles as the backup to Teddy Bridgewater and trade Drew for what you can, because it's not like his value is going to get any greater as time goes along. It's going to be interesting to see what the Broncos do in this situation. And there was a note after practice on uh, Tuesday from James Palmer, the NFL network about these guys were staying after practice, working with each other. And I still think that regardless of how this decision went, I, I'm sure Drew feels dejected about everything, you know, probably gutted and disappointed. Uh, but at the same time, this is also important important for Drew how he handles this I think will be very big in the eyes not just the Broncos but for maybe any other team that might be potentially interested in him I still don't know if we've seen the last of Drew Locke in Denver I mean there could be a situation if he is the backup this year which as of right now he stands to be maybe he comes in if the Broncos offense is struggling I don't know it's a weird situation to be in but there's a lot of information that we don't know but obviously we do know Teddy Bridgewater is QB1 for the Broncos here to start off the 2021 NFL season. And Broncos country, coming up here in just a moment, Sarah and I, we're both going to go through our projected 53-man depth chart we put together. We looked at all the positions. We had the new news, obviously, with the starting quarterback announced how many quarterbacks might the Broncos carry into. We'll get to that coming up here in just a moment. But before I do that, I just want to remind you, if you love Lockdown Broncos, please do us a favor. Hit that subscribe button here on YouTube. Hit the follow button on your favorite audio podcasting platform so you can get us every single day on the go all season long and all year long Broncos coverage never stops Sarah and I do our best to bring an objective point of view to every angle going on with all things in Dove Valley you get that here the Lockdown Broncos podcast all right Sarah let's jump into our depth chart predictions I mean we're at the point now final preseason game coming up there's a couple of storylines we're going to be watching and we'll touch on on tomorrow's episode Lockdown Broncos at several positions but for the most part I feel like you, myself, and other media members, we've started to compile who we think will be on the 53-man roster. Now, this may not necessarily just be depth chart as to who's going to start, who's going to be here, but just the players that may make up the 53-man roster. So, Sarah, are you ready to dive into the sheet that we put together? And then we'll go back and forth to Broncos country. Let us know in the comment section down below if you agree or disagree. We'll have that dialogue with you after the show airs live. But pulling it up right here, this is the projected depth chart that I put together. Sarah, for the most part, you and I consulted on this. We're in agreements in a lot of areas. There's a couple of players in a couple of positions where we have a couple of question marks in terms of maybe where we're both thinking at here. But let's start on the offensive side of the ball here for the Broncos. Wide receiver. This is one of those areas where we're looking at maybe having a little bit of a difference, maybe by one or two players. Cortland Sutton, easily. Jerry Judy, Tim Patrick, KJ Hamler, Trinity Benson has to be that fifth guy. I mean, at, at this point, he's demonstrated more than anybody else. But then I have on my list, I have Seth Williams over Tyree Cleveland and Deontay Spencer. I think that's that's really the tough call. And you didn't start with any sort of change up or any sort of, you know, easy lob pitch here, Cody. This is the right. this is the high heat. This is the high cheddar, the fastball, the tough, the really tough position, I think, on the Broncos offense. And just looking at your list, you know, I can't see anything that I disagree with among the top five. I think Trinity Benson is a guy who really played his way onto the team. And, and and that's such a fun story. I think that the key the key thing here, Cody, and we've talked about this, Tim Patrick. What happens with Tim Patrick? Kind of yeah. one of the more underrated storylines throughout training camp is the fact that Tim Patrick really has been on the shelf almost the entire time, and he just recently came back. So obviously guys get hurt and things like that, and we can't always read into that too much. There's not always a conspiracy theory going on. But we've talked about the fact that his trade value could never be higher than, than it is right now, and there's teams around the league that could use Tim Patrick right now. So depending on what happens with his situation, I've been kind of reading some tea leaves from from elsewhere, thinking maybe you know, despite the fact that 
I would say stock down for or for uh, Tyree Cleveland and Deontay Spencer. That's kind of what I would say based on what we've seen. It kind of feels like they're maybe trending upwards according to what uh, some others have been saying. So I, I don't know. I don't know if, if, if Trinity Benson has done enough to take over Deontay Spencer's return position. But if he has, I think this is an ideal top six because you get your top four – with Sutton, Judy, Hamler, Patrick, those are guys that are, this is our win now group. And then you get two guys in Benson and Williams who you would say, these are the guys that we want to build around, um, you know, potentially going forward. You know, we'll worry about Tim Patrick in 2022 and we'll put Seth Williams in the mix there. Um, we'll worry about Deontay Spencer or, or the return game if, you know, if Trinity Benson really struggles in that area. Or we'll try KJ Hamler there or whatever else they might do. So I think that, I mean, I could definitely see that being the top six at receiver and the six that they end up keeping if they do um, go with, with just six guys there. Well, in the last segment, we did cover the quarterback position. I have three guys listed. I have Teddy Bridgewater as the starter, Drew Locke, and Brett Rippon. I think because we're still in a point where we're still in a COVID-based year and COVID is still impacting us, I think the Broncos will want to learn from last year, and I still think that they're going to carry multiple quarterbacks. They may even carry an emer- a practice squad guy. They may sign a guy to the practice squad after cuts just so they have a fourth quarterback mm-hmm. at that position in general and keep him as one of those emergency guys because you never know. Unless you, you know, Kendall Hinton makes the roster and you just keep him as your guy. I mean, he might have more time to prepare, but <laughs> uh, we'll see outside of that. But let's get to the tight end position. I, you know, I think this is pretty clear cut for us here. Noah Fant, Albert Okuebunam, and Eric Saubert uh, probably line out the three players there. Now, there is a little bit of question too. Do the Broncos carry a fourth tight end and use that tight end four as also fullback one? We're talking about Andrew Beck here. Or do they keep three tight ends and keep a fullback in Adam Prentice? That's a tough conversation right here. It, it really is. And it makes things so interesting because you, if you want to find out, okay, how much is Pat Shermer really going to integrate the fullback into this year's offense? I think that gives Adam Prentice a huge advantage because I, I don't think Andrew Beck is necessarily, he doesn't strike me as, as a fullback by trade. He really strikes me as just a, a football player that will do whatever is asked of him, you know, tight end, fullback, special teams. And I think it's that versatility that could potentially give him an edge where you bring a guy like Prentice onto the practice squad and say, all right, we want to, this game, we really want to, we really want to ram it down their throats, you know, and we'll call Prentice up, which I love, by the way, I love that rule. And I don't understand. I, I can't, I can't get it, Cody. I don't get it. So we need to talk to some people at the NFL about this, but why are <laughs> roster sizes so small? Like who cares? Man. You know, I mean, I just, I don't really get it. Worried there about are... a competitive disadvantage, but I, let's just come. We, you know, we were talking about Rogesterman, Rosterman, Ferris, but yeah. uh, the Adam Prentice squad, we'll do that. I mean, he's going to be the yeah. Prentice squad there, but <laughs> I agree with you on that, Sarah. And I, I think it's very important. I think this is going to answer a lot for us when cuts happen. I do think that you don't risk on another team necessarily signing a guy like Adam Prentice after you release him, which gives you the luxury of bringing him up and look, uh, Andrew Beck, I still think has a lot more to prove, even though he does offer more as a receiver. I still think mm-hmm. the blocking dynamic that Prentice has shown so far is a very valuable to the Broncos run game. If that's the emphasis that they want to go with, but let's get to the offensive side of, uh, of the ball here in terms of the offensive line, the guys, the hoggies in the middle here and left tackle. I've got Garrett Bowles at center. I've got Lloyd Cushberry left guard, Dalton Reisner, Graham Glasgow, and then I've got Calvin Anderson starting, but I think you could either put he or Bobby Massey there at this point. That's the only competition that 
has not been answered yet. We thought that would be answered before the quarterback competition. But here we are on this beautiful Wednesday in Broncos country, Sarah. So that's another dynamic. But I think the depth behind them, for the most part, if Bobby Massey's authority, if Calvin Anderson behind him, Cam Fleming obviously listed as that backup left tackle, could be Calvin Anderson if he's not the starter as well. They're going with a swing approach. And then behind Lloyd Cushingberry, I've got Quinn Miners there, even though there's nothing on the screen. I've got Quinn Miners listed there as a potential backup option, but he will be the backup option at guard to Graham Glasgow. While you have Natani Muti as the backup option to Dalton Reisner. Any thoughts on that? Any disagreements? Are we in alignment? You know, we're really close on this. I had them taking eight offensive linemen on my latest roster prediction, and I think that the reason for that, Cody, is because of the rule that really benefits teams. That's that's another rule that I can't believe has not been around for a long time, but. You can add up to six vested veterans essentially onto your practice squad. And so with with Cam Fleming, the interesting thing for me is you give him a million dollars guaranteed. So you, you guarantee, I think it was 725K of his 2021 salary, if I remember right. I was just looking at it this morning. And he's got a roster bonus of about 320, 325K, something like that. So what the Broncos have already guaranteed uh, Cam Fleming, they could easily cut him. And I don't know that he doesn't he doesn't have to clear waivers. He's a veteran. So he doesn't have to clear waivers at this point. So you cut Cam Fleming and then just two days later or a day later, you bring him back as a veteran on your practice squad. And he's basically getting the same weekly check that he otherwise would have gotten on the roster bonus. So I think that they're set up there pretty nicely. Like you said, right tackle position between Bobby Massey and Calvin Anderson. If that goes to Anderson, I think like we talked about, we were talking about this um, kind of before the show. But I think if, if if you start Calvin and Garrett Bowles gets hurt, for example, you put Massey at right tackle and then you you just swing Calvin over to the left side. With Cam Fleming as an option, you know, off your practice squad, you can always bring him up, you know, and you can do that. I believe on game days you can actually carry up to up yeah. to eight or nine, yeah, yeah, offensive linemen specifically. So I think that that's an interesting route that they could go based on the fact that Cam Fleming, like he didn't sign for an egregious amount of money based on I mean, frankly, based on his experience and what he's done in the league and the big games that he's played in, uh, you know, he didn't sign for a whole lot of, of cash and neither did Bobby Massey. So I think the Broncos are set up nice there to you cut Cam Fleming and, and you bring him back onto the practice squad as one of those veterans and save yourself a roster spot. If you're really thinking about Deontay Spencer, if you're really thinking about, you know, the fullback position or maybe looking at an extra defensive back with Michael Ojemudia out injured. So I think that's one spot where they could maybe kind of compromise. And we'll touch on the Broncos running back depth here on the 53-man roster, who we project to carry over, plus the defense and the specialist side of the ball coming up here in just a moment, Broncos country. But before we do that, let me tell you about the sponsor of today's episode of the show on the day of the announcement of the quarterback competition. That's a good friends over there, betonline.ag. And as always, BetOnline is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. Get all the updated odds, props, and contests, including the online's biggest half-million-dollar NFL Mega Contest and the world's largest $200,000 NFL Survivor Contest open now at betonline.ag and take advantage of their opening day super promo where you can make a bet on the Thursday night opener between the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Dallas Cowboys and if you lose, you can be refunded up to $25 and that is over there betonline.ag when you use promo code NFL100. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action from football, basketball, boxing all your Vegas casino games. They have you covered all in one place. Use promo code Locked on to get that bonus today. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, Sarah, jumping to the fourth quarter action of today's episode, Locked on Broncos, going through our depth chart here today, our projected 53 man roster. We we're talking about the offensive side of the ball, getting a running back real quickly, and we'll touch on this. 
I, I looked at your article over there, predominantlyorange.com. We're pretty much in agreement here at running back. You got Melvin Gordon, Javante Williams, Royce Freeman, and Mike Boone. Royce staying on there because of his play so far in the preseason and because of Mike Boone's injury, it makes sense to hold on to him until you know a guy like Boone gets back healthy. But obviously, Boone's going to be a special teams guy. Royce is already a special teams guy. May not hurt the Broncos to have that four, not to mention the Rams have fulfilled their running back need by draft by trading for Sony Michelle. So we'll t- we touched on running back briefly, but let's sh- let's shift to the specialist side because there's only three players here. I mean, no, no competition at punter, right? Sam Martin's got the mm-hmm. job locked up. Brandon McManus, a kicker, and Jacob Bobin Moyer at the long snapper position. That lines out those specialist guys there. Your return guys will be one of the guys that are on the roster, either on the offense or defensive side of the ball. So no need to really get into that here. Defensively, I think that for the most part, the starters pretty much align a little bit. Shelby Harris, Mike Purcell, Draymond Jones, Von Miller, Alexander Johnson, Josie Jewell, Bradley Chubb, Pat Sertan, Kareem Jackson, Justin Simmons, and Ronald Darby. I mean, this is just the base three for defense, how I projected 53 to play out. Do you have any objections to that? And also, like the backup depth guys at the second or third string spots, do you have any objections to any of those players? Because I know we talked about corner, and corner is probably the one area where one or two guys can make or break the list. I think so, Cody. I think that really, uh, borrowing a trade for somebody like Alexander Johnson that we've talked about before, or maybe even Bryce Callahan. Well, interestingly, Nine News Broncos insider Mike Kliss had uh, Callahan listed behind Pat Sertan in his final 53-man roster projection, which it's always interesting to look at those kind of little nuggets and notes. You know, it's it may mean nothing. It may mean absolutely nothing, but it also may mean something. You never know. I think that that's an interesting one with with uh, Cliss also bringing up the fact that Callahan's salary this year is not guaranteed. Um, with with OJ Mudia's injury though, it's just hard to hard to imagine unless he's saying Bassey comes back off the pup. So I think that things are pretty well chalk for the whole Denver Broncos defense. You look at the defensive line, the top six guys; those are all set. That would be, as you mentioned, Shelby Harris, Mike Purcell, Draymond Jones, and then behind them you've got Shamar Stephan, McTelvin Aguim, and then you've got Deshaun Williams. Linebackers, I think we're cut and dry there. You know, pretty, pretty well, uh, even at the outside and inside linebacker positions, unless they decide to keep five off the edge, which at this point, Cody, I don't know if they're going to be able to do that with just the way the whole rest of the roster is constructed. So I think you hope that you can get at least one of Derek Tuska or Andre Mintz onto the practice squad. And then over the course of the season, we know, Cody, injuries happen. So you'll be able to bring many of these guys up. The, the funny thing is, is that looking at these 80 guys that they still have on the roster, a majority of these guys, typically on a year-to-year basis, will end up on your active roster at some point or another. Yeah. So in the defensive backfield is really where I think that there's there's a spot to be won. You know, Fangio talked about on Tuesday that there's potentially spots to be won in this Rams game. I think that cornerback six and maybe even cornerback five to open the season are open for these players to come and win. You know, if you're Savion Smith, if you're Nate Harrison, if you're Kerry Vincent Jr., you've got to go out there and absolutely ball out against the Los Angeles Rams, not just defensively, but I think the key, and it's been called out publicly now by the coaches, you've got to play well on special teams. And I think yeah. Jamar Johnson has to do the same exact thing. We know what what Trey Marshall brings to the table on special teams, and so Jamar Johnson has to go out there and beat him for that spot, even with Trey Marshall being hurt right now. So, And I do think that's going to happen, by the way. So I yeah, think that I mean the, our the, safety list, our safety list was the same, right? It technically yeah, so Justin same. Simmons, Kareem, Caden Stearns, PJ Locke, and Jamar Johnson yep. as the five guys that rounded out. Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. And I think that's what you want, right? You want that mix of, hey, we got PJ Locke who led the team last year in special team snaps. We've got the two veterans at the top of the depth chart. And then we've got these two guys that we believe can contribute in the future and going forward. And you know, looking at 
potential post Kareem Jackson era, whenever that does end up happening. Now you've got four, you've got a four year clock on these two guys and you've got an opportunity with some great uh, coaches who can develop defensive back talent to really bring the best out of them. So I would definitely now I've seen a number of projections that have left Jamar Johnson off specifically. I would not do that, man. I, that just, I don't, I wouldn't understand that. And I think that that's an, a situation where I think George Payton, you would need to kind of step in and say, Hey, we're, we have to have at least an eye on the future with some of these guys, right? We can't just we can't just say, "Well, you're not up to up to snuff on special teams right now." Well, get them up to snuff on special teams. Yeah. Coach them up. Get them to the point that they can contribute. That's your job as a coach. So, for me, that's where I'm at. And that cornerback spot is going to be really interesting. May even this this seems kind of weird based on all the stuff they've done, but you may even start looking at some names there of guys that they could add from outside the building right now if they don't necessarily love um, two of the guys they currently have. Well, and you know that the Broncos are going to be scouring the waiver wire at several positions and looking to poach guys for the practice squad once roster cuts happen. I imagine we're going to get a lot of those roster cuts coming in Sunday after the game. Usually teams don't waste any time. They know they're 53. So, Sarah, as we approach the two-minute warning, any final takeaways here on the Broncos naming Teddy Bridgewater as the starting quarterback, I know our comment section on YouTube, it's going to be mixed of people who are excited, people mm -hmm. who are just dejected. And I've already seen it on Twitter. There's a lot of Broncos fans that have tweeted or replied to a tweet of mine when, you know, with the announcement out there that they're not really excited about watching the team. And I do want to pose a question here, Sarah. I, I don't know how you can look at the roster that is here. Yes, I understand quarterback is one of the most important positions of football. George Payton has said that. I just don't know how you can look at this roster and not be excited, even though if your guy that you didn't get at quarterback wasn't named as the starter. This is an exciting roster from the running back room, from the offensive line, to the skill players, to the defense. I, I still don't know how fans could lose excitement in that. And look, I understand. Look, I'm not trying to tell you as a fan how to feel if you're watching this and if you're feeling any type of way about the decision. I'm just saying I don't understand it from the seat that I'm sitting in. I'm with you on that, Cody. I mean, if you're a Denver Broncos fan, like you're a Denver Broncos fan, I, I get that the team makes decisions that we don't agree with, that aren't popular. I remember in the 2019 offseason, I had written an article at Predominantly Orange about how dumb it would be to, to try and acquire Joe Flacco. And then sure enough, John Elway goes out and does it. And in the year before that, I had written about how Case Keenum doesn't make any sense for the Denver Broncos. And sure enough, John Elway goes out and does it. And I don't know that necessarily we can anticipate history repeating itself with these decisions that seem bad before they happen, ultimately ending up to, you know, to be what we kind of thought they would be. Not great decisions, right? Um, so I don't think that it's fair to assume that about Teddy Bridgewater. You know, I think in terms of just who he is as a, as a player, a former first-round pick, he's been to the playoffs before. In fact, he came really close to winning that playoff game that we've talked about in a prior episode, that ice-cold game in Seattle. It's a field goal away, right? And so beating Russell Wilson, in fact, in that game. So, I, And that was a while back, but at the same time, 2019, first-place team in the NFC South, New Orleans Saints. Drew Brees goes down with an injury. Teddy comes in and leads him to a 5-0 and record in his time on, on the field. And in fact, in that time – he had his highest touchdown percentage as a player, as an NFL player, which would have gotten him roughly 20, 28, 29, 30 touchdowns in a season if he kept that pace up for 16 games. So I think that there's definitely ways that you can look at this and, and continue to be positive if you're a Denver Broncos fan. Like you said, the roster, very good. Um, the players obviously like Teddy Bridgewater. The coaches obviously like him. And hey, look, 
This is this is one season. You know, you got one opportunity. If you're Teddy Bridgewater, you've got one opportunity. Really, this is a golden opportunity to prove that you still deserve to be a starter in the NFL and not just one of these journeyman backups that leads to, you know, the bridge between you and some top five draft pick like Tyrod Taylor has become. You know, if you're Teddy Bridgewater, you have the opportunity to really seize this opportunity. I'm he's only 28 years old. I mean, he's only 28. He's a former first round pick. And we, of course, feel like, okay, we know exactly what Teddy Bridgewater brings to the table. But I don't think we know exactly what he brings to the table in this context. You know, we haven't even got to see him with Cortland Sutton or Tim Patrick. We barely got to see him with Noah Fant. You know, so I want to see what Teddy Bridgewater can really do with all these weapons at his disposal. And I'm willing to keep an open mind. I think Broncos country, I think we should all do the same. You have every right to feel the way that you do. If you love Drew Locke, you know, I love Drew Locke. I hope, and I, I'm, He's a fellow human being. So obviously I feel empathy for him for losing the job. But, you know, Teddy Bridgewater, also a human being. <laughs> I mean, right? So let's, Somebody's let's gonna have lose some at the end of the day, man. Yeah. Exactly. Well, I think those are some great points, Sarah. And I love the analysis, the, ed, the, the edge that you bring here to the podcast as well. I know fans appreciate it. That's why I'm grateful that you're here as a co-host here, Locked On Broncos. But Broncos country, let us know in the comment section down below. Engage with us in YouTube, on Twitter, at Cody Work NFL, at Sarah Bettinger, at Locked On Broncos. Let us know how you feel. Let's talk about it. Let's break it down. Tomorrow, we'll take a little bit of a look into preseason game number three against the Los Angeles Rams. Until then, we'll see you next time.